0: There must be a certain part of our brain that needs to categorize things, but it doesn't help us or it can be like unhelpful for actually seeing the world and to take it back to radical acceptance. It can be unhelpful for actually accepting the world as what it is and like seeing it as something that your primary purpose is to interact with, not to judge.
1: Welcome to Conversations with Sarah, a podcast of exploration, vulnerability, and curiosity, in which I seek to bring more understanding and compassion to the human experience. Okay, welcome back to the podcast. I'm here with a former guest, Nikki Carnarius. Nikki, I don't, okay, well, first of all, welcome back to the podcast. (laughs) Thank you. And I don't know if you, you probably don't know this, but your episode is the most listened to episode of all of my episodes by like a lot. Are you serious? Yeah. So if you don't, um, if you haven't listened to Nikki's episode, we're going to kind of, well, we don't really know what this conversation is going to be, but you might want to go back and listen to... Her old episode, which actually I was gonna look it up, but I remember it was the very last episode that I did before I took like a two-year hiatus. Um, episode twenty-two, and you'll see it says with Nikki and um, oh, it's muses with Nikki. So we talked about like muses and crushes, like having a crush on someone and art and all that, and it was a great conversation. So we're sort of doing like a what we think will be a follow-up of that. Um, but yeah, it's so I don't know what like I don't know how people find. My podcast, other than just like on my own Instagram. So I don't know if people were like Googling like muses or if people just loved the episode so much that they like shared it <laughs> a bunch of times, but it's a very popular episode. I'm so happy
0: to hear that it was a really popular episode. Was that in 2019? Or- yeah. Yeah, because that was um during a phase in my life when. I was embracing the concept of um having crushes as a form of having a muse and just allowing the crush energy to um motivate me in my creative projects. And so I think it was like for me a pretty um a pretty pivotal. Oh, sorry, wow, I'm already not saying words actually, <laughs> a pretty pivotal moment in my life. So I'm glad that it resonated with other people yeah
1: I mean it resonated with like I feel like when I go back and listen to the episode I the whole time I'm just like oh my god wow yeah oh wow like my brain (laughs) like I feel like I just was like I've never I've never thought of things this way before so I feel like it was really uh yeah it was a great episode
0: nice nice yeah (laughs) I'm I'm ready to do the sequel. I have a boyfriend now. Oh so my gosh. I think I I ended that episode being like, I think we were kind of like um bonding over the fact that we were like, we don't really know what it would be like to have a healthy relationship. <laughs> and so far we're just on the phase of having muses and like we don't know what it would be like to get to the next level or even if it's necessary to. So yeah. Um from then I uh, you know. I kind of like pretty soon after that episode, well, I wouldn't say soon. I think now that I'm thinking about it, it was maybe like a year after that episode. So I had a year of hardcore muse time. <laughs> and I actually, I've met a new muse that oh. I hadn't even discovered yet. And I was like putting all these like tenants of like having a muse that I discovered I was like, oh, this doesn't have to be a relationship because it was with a guy who like seemed like he was pretty like clearly not into me, but he was really into like philosophy and I had a lot to learn from him. So I was like, I'll just use the muse energy for learning. And then, you know, one thing led to another, caught feelings, tried Against my best judgment to make it a relationship, and then I think we did date for like one week, (laughs) (laughs) and like all of a sudden I started pouring in all this energy that I felt like, oh, it's my muse energy. I feel like I'm very in control of it. I can guide it. I can channel it. All of a sudden, it started just like pouring onto them very heavily, and he was like yeah, this isn't working for me. (laughs) And then I kind of was like, you know what? I respect that. Um, And then I moved on. Then I went into a phase in my life um, that I wanted to talk to you more about called radical acceptance. And that's kind of when I started being like, okay, I clearly have the idea of a romantic partner put so high on a pedestal of like, they're gonna be my savior. It's almost like um, almost like a mythological creature that no actual man could ever live up to. So <laughs> I was like, I want to have more radical acceptance of the men that are already in my life. And I also want to have more radical acceptance of myself which I realized like with the muse, I think it was like um, we talked about the concept of the animus and how um, the animus are the anima for men. It's like if you're a woman, then you have the animus, which is like the male part of your psyche that maybe you can't express physically outwardly. So you kind of um, express it inwardly as you're Animus as like a a guardian in your psyche, and I think what we kind of left the last podcast with is become the crush you want to see in the world, <laughs> or become the boyfriend you want to see in the world. So I kind of um, allowed myself to become that for myself, and then I didn't need that from a romantic partner, and then that made the process of dating. A lot easier. And that opened me up to different levels of intimacy that I never thought possible for myself. And um, now I'm two years into a happy relationship.
1: <laughs> um, that's amazing. Yeah. And so, okay. I feel like we need to like slow down and I have a million questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I also wanted to like bring in some of the other sort of like takeaways from our last Um, episode, like as you were talking, they were sort of coming up, which were like, I like what you said about like becoming your own animus or like becoming that part of you that you're projecting on to someone else and like putting on a pedestal. And then the other thing that we were kind of discussing is how like, like can like those things that we're inspired by and someone else that like are those like musey things. I think we often think like, oh, well, we want to be in a relationship with that versus like is a relationship something different do we need to be in a relationship with that person that has those qualities like kind of separating those two things and like recognizing that just because we're like inspired or have this muse doesn't mean that that needs to be like a mutual partnership and like a mutual like a like a romantic relationship or something like that Um, so it sounds like you kind of explored sort of both of those things in how you were like approaching it and like took a step back and we're like okay what is you know what's relationship how do i actually be present with like like you said a radical acceptance of people who are in my life maybe not like would you say that's as opposed to you said like putting them on a pedestal like that opposed to kind of seeing them as like maybe not even really seeing like the fullness of like their humanity in a way of like being like they they just represent this shiny thing instead of like a full human or yeah
0: yeah definitely I think one thing that I worked on with my therapist is the concept of intimacy versus intensity Mm. and that was kind of something with the muse you feel this like intense inspiration and you kind of think like oh, like you start projecting all these ideas from that intensity of like, oh, like I'm really connecting with this person. Oh, like all of a sudden you start kind of like wanting to trauma bond of like immediately kind of like sharing all your experiences and like wanting to like connect with them on on all these different levels. But then you realize like that's not actually an earned experience of intimacy And like having an earned experience of intimacy is a lot slower and you just kind of like slowly get to know someone, like um, maybe have less expectations to to begin with. And you kind of actually let the person who isn't you, who isn't just like your animus projection, (laughs) (laughs) you let the actual person introduce themselves to you and then you kind of decide like oh do I like this is this fit with who I am like is this someone I can grow with and I think that's kind of where I changed my viewpoint of like the the muse relationship was really fun and really exciting but yeah, it's it's not necessarily like the best model for a healthy relationship that kind of like slowly Unfold over time
1: yeah that is so interesting putting it that way of like the earned intimacy and like not putting so much on it at first because that's something that I've really noticed myself um I, I always talk about it in a gendered way of like how I relate to women versus how I relate to men but I think taking it out of that it's more like how I relate to people I wouldn't be in a romantic relationship with versus people that I would and um I always am like you know mystified like why are our relationships with friends so easy for me and it is it comes down to that of like when I'm making a friend I just let them like you said introduce themselves to me like I just get to know them as they are and and I'm like okay well we like hang out or we don't or you know it's just like kind of builds slowly over time versus with people that I'm like attracted to it's just <laughs> like that all at once like is this person my husband or not?
0: <laughs> like, exactly.
1: So crazy. Did you hear that thunder? Sorry.
0: Oh yeah, I think I did. I, well, I saw the light. The lightning.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Cool. So there might be thunder in this episode. <laughs> <We'll> <laughs> nice. See. That's it's awesome. The world being like, yes, you're on the
0: right track. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> um, okay. So that's so awesome. How? Like, how did you do that? Was it just in? kind of like your own mind where you're like, okay, I'm just going to let this person show them to me. Like, how did you move from kind of that intensity to more of like that intimacy?
0: Well, it was a lot of trial and error, mostly error. Okay, (laughs) It was a lot of, well, so I had, you know, my collection of muses that I was kind of, you know, using to fulfill my emotional needs. And then I also was like, oh, I'll try online dating. And then that's kind of um, uh, a really like a landmine for projections, (laughs) I would say, because these are total strangers. And then you start seeing them and you're like, oh, this guy's a lawyer. Wow. He could really take care of me. Or like, oh, this guy works for the city. How cool. I wonder if he's an activist or like you start thinking like stuff that you care about that you aren't actively doing in your life how are these people gonna do that for you and right. so you're like and I, then we
1: could like live this type of lifestyle or like I'm gonna get I'm gonna get a house in this neighborhood or like whatever like we'll exactly get it <laughs> yeah.
0: and so I kept like meeting these guys that I was like, oh, like I had already projected all this stuff onto them. And then I was just like texting them, texting them like long paragraphs <laughs> of like, oh, I was just like going for a walk outside. And then that reminded me of something you said. And I, like what I think, and I was always trying to, you know, show them how clever I was, like mm. overselling myself to them. And then them kind of like reacting as a normal person would to be like, who is this crazy person? (laughs) And so I was kind of like online dating's not for me. Um, I was also going to therapy at the time. So that helped a lot. And then I had this process of like, Oh, I'll just, you know, I'll just go on dates as they come up. I'm not going to be crazy about it. And then like a couple men who I had known in the past that I had kind of like, you know, had like, um, you know little like dates with here and there um, came back into my life and I was like oh I'll give these guys a try you know they already uh, I already have like in shared intimacy with them were and they? I think
1: interested in you like did they come back in your life and they were like Nikki like let's date or was it just like you saw them again for after not seeing them or like what was the relationship there
0: I mean, I think they were kind of slow rolling it where maybe they were interested in dating, but they weren't kind of coming on too strong. Mm -hmm. They were just like, hey, let's hang out sometime. And so I was like going on these like little dates here and there. And then that's kind of when um, being open to just kind of meeting these men in the world as they are letting them introduce their actual self to me instead of me just seeing what I'm projecting onto them then that was what kind of like finally allowed me to make an intimate connection with someone who then revealed that they were um, in love with me so (laughs) I was like oh cool (laughs) (laughs) and you know like maybe in the past I I almost had like a fear of intimacy because I was so inexperienced with it and it seemed like it seemed like something I didn't really have in my family of origin and I think with a lot of these romantic relationships I was trying to recreate some of those family dynamics and I was like oh we didn't have intimacy in my family what's this like should I be afraid of it but then Through the help of therapy and like revisiting and re and working through and like recontextualizing some family dynamics, I was like, okay, I'll just give it a shot. And then, you know, um, I don't know if I said this metaphor on the first episode, but I kind of see it as like emotional intimacy is sort of like a staircase of like you just kind of like take one step at a time. And I felt like with my Relationships in the past, I had always been like stuck on that first step of like, like just fighting and and projections and like breaking up and getting back together was just always kind of like, even if I took one step, we would like fall back down. Mm -hmm. And then so finally, with like this new relationship, it was like actually like moving up the staircase of the relationship felt really nice. So I just kind of kept going with it. Wow, that's so cool. I I
1: feel like the way that you articulate this, I feel like it's so helpful. <laughs> like I feel like there's so much, and I'm not. You're not even being like, here's dating advice, but like there is so much dating advice, and there's so much like talk about this. And I feel like the way that you're articulating it is so helpful because I think so many people do what you were doing and like what I was doing slash like probably still am doing, and um, <laughs> and like contextualizing that and kind of that that, that's a great metaphor, the staircase metaphor. And like, yeah, it's like when we are projecting, we can only go so we can only become so intimate because we're not really revealing ourselves and we're not really getting to know other people. We're just, yeah, both probably like reacting to each other based on our own projections and our own like ideas of ourselves and ideas of the other person.
0: Yeah. And it's kind of interesting how so many people, are actively projecting on the objects of their romantic affection. And they don't even realize it. Like people are totally unconscious of the fact that they're doing that. And I was very unconscious of it for years, for like 10 years or more. And I kept running into these same problems. And it wasn't until I was like, oh, okay. I have to like see these people as who they are, as like real people, that it was just kind of like, it was like taking a... Like, hood off of my (laughs) face and like truly seeing. And so I kind of, it feels weird now that I'm able to, to like do these kind of things. I look back at the old me and I'm like, wow, how was I so, how did I make so many mistakes along the way? But like you said, it's actually very common. So (laughs) it's, it's interesting. Like, through doing therapy, I kind of realized that it's more common to have like poor coping mechanisms than it is to actually have healthy coping mechanisms. So <laughs> it's kind of interesting to be like we're in this world where it's it's more normal to be to be hurt or to be like I don't want to say damaged but to be like you know just uh to have all this like unprocessed trauma and to like once you actually start healing yourself you're like wow I'm kind of like standing on my own like I'm like, where are all my peers? Because I'm waiting for everyone to kind of like climb this staircase with me. Totally. I feel like it's that experience. Like I
1: relate so strong to the experience of like pulling the hood off. And it's like that weird thing where it's like when it's on, you just can't see beyond it. Sometimes you can see like, okay, I can tell I'm wearing a hood, but I don't know how to take it off. And I don't really see what's beyond it. That's like a good first step. Um, (laughs) And then, yeah, when you take it off, it's just like such a, yeah, you're like, how could I? everything that you did before looks so weird. You're like, why would I make <laughs> that choice? It makes no sense. Right. Cause you're just looking at it from a different viewpoint, which I think is helpful in seeing like everyone in the world is just looking through things through their own viewpoint, through their own, right. Like traumas and conditioning and all these things and reacting based on like what makes sense looking through that, you know, hood, like if they weren't looking through your eyes, they would do what you do. <laughs> if you were looking through their eyes, you'd probably do the same things that they do. Like I think we all think of ourselves as like like the truth the truth. <laughs> you know, we think of our own perception of reality as like the way that things are. and we're always like, why can't that person just like understand it? Why do they keep keep making this stupid mistake over and over again? It's like, well, you're just looking through different filters.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting how powerful our filters are. Um, Another thing that I've been working on with my therapist is when dealing with people, you know, like when you disagree with someone, a lot of times what you're disagreeing with is just simply content Mm -hmm. versus like the actual emotions that the person is feeling are like completely valid emotions, but it's just they don't. The content of what they're saying is getting so corrupted through their filter of whatever their personal trauma is or personal experiences is that like what they're actually saying might not really make any sense to your filter, but then trying to like, go deeper and just like acknowledge their their anger or their emotions and be like, yeah, like your emotions are are valid. Like that's like a real thing. And just like, It's just like wherever you're at and your self-development is not uh, coinciding with where I am, but I feel like we do kind of have to like attend to people's emotions instead of just being like the actual content of your words is wrong. Like we we're so focused on like what you're saying is wrong, but it's like, no, like what they're saying, like kind of doesn't even matter as much as like, they're just trying to tell you they're upset. And like, how do we actually attend to like the emotions that, that people are like legitimately feeling? Totally.
1: I feel like it's like a matter of kind of giving people the benefit of the doubt and not, yeah, it's like our mind is always like wanting to jump on like the facts, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, Okay. So let's talk about radical acceptance. Cause so oh, this yeah. has come up in I mean, obviously we've been talking about it a little bit, but I kind of want to just talk about it more um, like on the nose. And so where, there's a book called Radical Acceptance, right? Did
0: I you think read so. the book? Okay. So you didn't read the book. I didn't read the book. Well, it's really funny. Um, I listened to a lot of like tarot reading YouTubes just mm-hmm. to like relax myself before bed. And like for one of them, the, like last night, the tarot, or maybe two nights ago, the tarot reader pulled like, you know, just like one of those, um oracle cards and the oracle card was radical acceptance. Oh wow. And I was like, yes, yeah, synchronicity <laughs> <laughs> was preparing us for this conversation. <laughs> I think for me, radical acceptance works both ways. It's like radically accepting yourself then allows you to radically accept others. So I think it's kind of like you actually have to start with yourself. Loving loving yourself makes you be able to love others, I noticed that right away as I was, as I was healing myself and having more patience for myself, doing reparenting exercises and stuff like that, I noticed all of a sudden that like, once I acknowledged the inner child in me, I could acknowledge the inner child in others. And then that kind of made me see like, okay, everyone's just like their inner child walking around, like maybe crying, having tantrums, like needing to be soothed and so it made me feel like a lot better and then i also kind of i was like wait so then the entire world the government <laughs> all people in power are just these inner children that are just kind of like running around looking for like various ways to soothe themselves and make themselves feel better and i think i can relate to what you were saying where in my like 20s and like maybe like teens and 20s i've I rejected the world a lot. I was like, this world sucks. Like, I don't want to have to deal with this. I don't want I don't, I reject the concept of money. I reject, I reject all these like power dynamics in the world where now I'm kind of like, well, this is the world we have. And I, I do want to be able to function in the world we have. And so you can't just Wait, it's like it's again that staircase I was like stuck on that first step of like I'll take my first step when the world changes to fit what I want the world to be and it's like oh that's not gonna happen so it's time for me to start thinking like what do I want to do in this world like what's feasible for me to do in this world and like how do I want to pursue it so that's kind of like how I changed and uh just recently I learned about the concept of nominalism what's that so um this is a concept that um I think it originates with neoplatonism are you familiar with Plato's idea of um the uh the platonic ideal
1: essentially like I remember like learning about it in high school I think but I don't remember what it means
0: yeah okay I remember learning about it maybe as early as elementary school the concept of plato's ideal ideals like and i always kind of like thought of it as like okay there's this like world almost this like heavenly world where the perfect ideal of the chair okay exists, yes i feel like you- we talked about this in like my linguistics
1: class where people say like chair and then it's like whatever you're picturing as a chair
0: is that what it is mm-hmm. okay yeah and then there's, like, also there's ideals, like, truth, beauty, honesty, like, well-behaved, like, but just, like, these ideas. Yeah. And I think, like, um people get really caught up in, like, these ideals and then kind of, like, projecting them. Again, it's, like, another form of projection onto, like, actual people. Like, that person's a good person. That person's a bad person. Right. That's a that's an honest situation that's a dishonest situation where nominalism is kind of the opposite of that where you just start with a situation and you're like okay this is the situation i'm not going to try to categorize it into like any of these ideals because these ideals are just sort of like made up concepts that can kind of like approximate situations mm-hmm. but they can never really be like what the real situation is So it's kind of, it's better to sort of start with like, with your real life, like start with your physical life. Like if you like walked outside your door, you would think like, oh, this is like a nice day or like, oh, it's thundering. (laughs) You just automatically like apply judgment. I feel like, or I feel
1: like our, that's what our mind does. We, it's like really hard to just walk outside and be like, the temperature feels cool, or like or yeah. Like, even
0: then, it's like it's hard to even describe things at the door. <laughs> like, there's a desk so, in front
1: of me. Whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like a a trap of language that's like you sit down at a desk and you're like, this is a nice desk. Yeah. Or it's like, But it's like, wait, okay, this is a a wooden. Yeah. It's <laughs> the material is wooden. It's <laughs> certain inches high. Like just kind of seeing things as they really are instead of just putting these value judgments on everything because the value judgments are just kind of like abstractions that then kind of like trigger like emotional responses in your brain so Mm -hmm. you're kind of like walking through your day and you're getting triggered by like oh that crystal is too cloudy or like oh (laughs) like that's not the perfect version of that that's not the perfect version of that that's not the perfect version of this where it's like this idea of like the perfect version of something is just like this thing that we made up that it like I think it like there must be a certain part of our brain that needs to categorize things but it doesn't help us or it can be like unhelpful for actually seeing the world and to take it back to radical acceptance, it can be unhelpful for actually accepting the world as what it is. And like seeing it as something that your primary purpose is to interact with, <laughs> not to judge if that makes sense. Yeah,
1: totally. I love that. I actually, it's so funny. I just was posting about that today on Instagram. I posted a thing about like judgment for like, that I feel like we all try to, we have this idea of like a judgmental God. And I think we like inhabit that as well. So we're like always applying our judgment and then trying to fix the world or like exactly what you were just saying. And I was like, we need to like embrace like the being a creative God, which is someone that interacts with, yeah, like you said, like interacts with the world. And then it's not that we like interact with it and we're like, keep it perfect as is, you know, like obviously that would also be a judgment. But I feel like we, and I always think of, Adam and Eve as like, this is like what the story is. Like, I think a lot of people think of Adam and Eve, like that story as about sin and about power and about obeying. But I see it as a story about judgment and like eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That means like judging, (laughs) like that's what that means. And then it's like, then you can't be in the garden of Eden. You can't enjoy yourself. You can't be in love. Like you can't, um, because you're, you're doing the judgment so it's like this like to me that's what that story means and I feel like that's just like the inception of like everything in our society it's like we all because we also all have different ideas of what the ideal is which you can see if you look at style or art like that's a, a really good way to obviously politics like people have differing views on that but even just being like I think you know forests and mountains are beautiful whereas like someone else prefers the beach so it's like even just recognizing that kind of breaks that open of like well you know that it's just subjective it's not it's also not an objective like view of the ideal
0: yeah yeah totally I think um with Adam and Eve I think that is a story that our ancestors were actually very wise in creating that story because if you see it as like metaphorical about like the psychological development of human beings, it was like at a certain point, we just simply perceived nature and interacted in nature. But then once we received the knowledge of good and evil, which I kind of see as like the knowledge of language, Mm. perhaps it became this thing where, we were like, that's evil. That's good. And then that in itself is what forced us out of the garden of Eden. Totally. And I feel like, like what you're saying of how we just walk
1: around, like applying judgment to literally everything (laughs) that we experience like is so (laughs) true. And I feel like yeah, for anyone listening, go just notice yourself doing that because you're 100% doing it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like it's, those,
0: yeah, sorry, go oh, ahead. Oh, go ahead, sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say like, it's kind of crazy how um, if you don't realize you're doing it, you're just like, why am I in this world? That <laughs> sucks. And you're like, wait, just like take a step back and see like that's your brain judging the world. That's not how the world actually is. Totally. (laughs) I feel like the
1: first time I, the first time I had this like awareness was the first time that I did mushrooms. And it was this thing where, like what I was so amazed by was I was like, oh, this is what it feels like to be in the present moment. Because I could tell that I wasn't judging things that I knew in my sober state, I would judge like this guy had tattoos and they were just like these, it wasn't like a coherent tattoo situation. It was like, yeah, like <laughs> one tattoo here, another little tattoo. It was just like all these like little tattoos, like all over his body, which I knew that if I was sober, I would think those are so stupid. <laughs> but in the moment I was like, so delighted by them. Cause like every time, like every few minutes I would like see a new one and I'd be like, Oh, a new one, you know? And I was just like, So like, yeah, just so (laughs) delighted by it. So it was a weird thing to like recognize in that moment. Like I knew that I would usually be applying judgment in that situation, but what I was really doing was just experiencing it as it was and like, and yeah. So I feel like that was, it is such a different experience. It's like, that is the experience of being present. And when you are just like appreciating the things around you, and just like enjoying them like that's when you know you're like not in judgment I think
0: yeah I think yeah psychedelics helped me a lot as well (laughs) Um, but I think like one thing that I worked out through therapy is instead of immediately making like a word-based judgment Mm -hmm. it's like maybe you like walk by a tree and you're like, Oh, this tree smells bad. Like, you know, there's those trees that smell bad or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But um, instead of just like thinking like, I, I hate this tree. It's like, instead trying to like feel the sensation on your Mm. body of like, Oh, my nose has a pleasant sensation from being near this tree. Mm -hmm. And then you're kind of getting closer to like, Oh, but I can kind of like soothe myself. Like, how can I make my nose feel better? How can I How can I change how I feel in my body so that I can accept this tree more? Because I think if you're stuck with like in the, the mental zone of, oh, this tree sucks or <laughs> these tattoos are dumb. I mean, I've seen some pretty dumb tattoos myself. So I can kind of, I can imagine what you saw there. But then also like if you, Like for me, tattoos have a, have a lot of like um, charge on them because I keep, I always get focused on like, well, it's a forever thing. Mm -hmm. How could anyone decide on a piece of art they liked enough to put on their body forever? So I have all this like worked up in my mind when I see a tattoo, I'm like, that person made that choice to have that on their body forever. (laughs) But like other people see tattoos and they're like, oh, it's just like, why wouldn't you want cool art on your body, especially if it reminds you of like different moments in your life. So it's like kind of like seeing it from like someone else's perspective, you can kind of be like, oh, they're actually fun. And I think psychedelics are really good for helping you kind of like get outside of your own programming, like your own like meta programming and and kind of, like, experiencing, like, seeing, like, the tattoos from, like, the perspective of someone else, and you're, like, oh, actually, those tattoos are cool, or, like, oh, this is fun, or, like, and you kind of start realizing, like, oh, it's not, like, nothing matters, but it's, like, something, like, if there's, like, a more positive way of saying nothing matters, (laughs) I feel like that would be sort of, like, closer to the truth. I think it's, like, Um, I've been getting a little bit back into meditation lately. And I just went to, um, in my own neighborhood, there's like a Zen meditation house that like offers the house up for like classes and we're doing a talk and they were like, what gets you closest to understanding the nature of the universe is simply not thinking and that's like the purpose of the Zen koan is to tell you this sort of like paradoxical statement that for a brief moment, like shuts your brain down so that you can actually experience things. And I think that's like, the, that's sort of like the tragedy of life is that we're endowed with this incredible mind and ability to, to see things and make judgments. But then if you actually want to experience the world, you kind of have to like find some clever way to like shut that all down. <laughs> totally. I, there's a really a quote
1: that I love from a poem, Mary Oliver poem that says, you do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. And I like, Aww. I love it so much. And I feel like the, that last line, I just say it to myself over and over but I feel like there's, cause I feel like it just continues to like give to me. <laughs> um, but the idea of like letting your body love what it loves, like, I feel like that kind of goes back to what you're saying about like sensation and like, how do you like the attraction or repulsion or if you're near a tree that you don't like, it's like, you can walk away from the tree, like without judging the tree or without Like, you can remove yourself from situations that you don't like. You don't have to change every situation that you're in. Obviously, like, sometimes we're in circumstances that we can't immediately get out of. Like, there's, like, different, there's different, you know, um, like, experiences of that. Sometimes it's easy to get out of a situation and just choose something else. Sometimes it's not, but it's, like, always like letting the body tell you like what it wants and what it means, whether that's like through your senses of something being pleasant, you know, to look at or pleasant to smell or pleasant to touch or something versus just not wanting to be there. And I feel like there's always in our minds, or at least for me, I'm always like, but why don't I like it? And like, I should learn to like it. And like, then I do like all the mind stuff where it's like, I can't even just let the, the soft animal of my body love what it loves because I'm like it has to have a reason and like why doesn't it love this other thing and like you know who's gonna love that other and it's just like it's not I don't have to be in charge of everything. <laughs> like I don't have to be <laughs> controlling everything, judging everything. Like maybe the thing that I it, I'm repulsed by is also repulsed by me. <laughs> also
0: <Aww. laughs> and yeah, I, I can just
1: live <laughs> apart and it's fine.
0: <laughs> right, I think it's like there's a lot of things that you know, you might not like and I think it it is wrong to be like to then turn the judgment in on yourself and be like, "Why don't I like this thing?" <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's like, you know, you can kind of like acknowledge like, "Oh, this thing doesn't make my body feel good. I'm going to go somewhere else." Mm-hmm. But I think it's it's also like you don't need to Like you can simply feel the sensation of not liking something and then move on. You don't have to you don't have to like be like, I'm gonna force that thing to change. Or I'm gonna like like I need to cut that tree down because I don't like it totally. Or like instead,
1: oh go ahead. I was gonna say just or like reacting to it and being like, I'm leaving that tree. And then you like talk about the tree constantly where you're like, I left that tree, I didn't like it, you know, instead of just like letting it be.
0: yeah like one other thing that I've worked on in therapy is um the channel of regulated emotions and that's really helped me a lot is that um like in your body you can kind of when you're at peace you're sort of in this channel of regulated emotions and like if you experience something really bad or something you really don't like or something you really do like you might either like pop up really high or like go down really low and like be really angry so I think like for a while I was kind of like I think with my family of origin like we're all about like going like bouncing like up and down like feeling really high highs and really low lows but then kind of like trying to experience the channel of regulated emotions helped me a lot because then you can kind of see like oh this tree is kind of making me go outside of my channel of regulated emotions but if I you know enacted some sort of campaign to cut the tree down that would dysregulate me like even more (laughs) where I can stay I can be like oh how can I get back to my channel of regulated emotions and for this example that would be like walking away from the tree and like walking into a a field of flowers or something (laughs) I feel like yeah
1: and I feel like this can be you know we're obviously using like talking about a tree is like a very non-charged like topic but I feel like people like think oh you can do this in some situations but then when it comes to the big situations you can't do it but it's like no it's the same process regardless of like how big it feels to you you know whether it's like politics or whatever cuz i feel like obviously that's like the most dysregulating thing ever
0: <laughs> like, yeah so politics is stuff. very dysregulating <laughs> and i think the internet is extremely dysregulating because it kind of like separates you from your body you're just like the mind only totally. interacting with other minds so then it's like all content, all content all the time. And you're kind of like separated from like, like your body could be like in a bed lounging <laughs> with like a nice glass of water next to it. But then like your mind is like being like dysregulated by all this information. Yeah. And a lot you're of like it having... is like, <laughs> no, oh, go go no, I was just saying a lot of it is like about politics. Totally. or like, Oh, like, did you hear this one guy did this? Like, and then we have to like write a treatise of like why we disagree with what that person did. And then it becomes like this sort of like runaway judgment of everything. And it kind of makes you like, like at first you're kind of like, yeah, no, I agree with that. No, I disagree <laughs> with that. or like You're like kind of like figuring out like how you're aligned. But then like after a while, I kind of saw the internet, like the discourse of the internet as like, well, it's just all dysregulating. It's just all like, so I kind of felt like I had to like turn, turn away because in order to like pursue my own personal goals of spiritual development and consciousness expansion, um, it's better for me to just focus on myself and my life and my body and like things that are happening to me. And the funny thing is like, by focusing on yourself you're actually helping others it's like a weird like paradox of like being on the internet and trying to help is actually just like making things worse cuz <laughs> totally. you're like you're somehow like angering someone or you're not saying things exactly right but if you take a step back and you're like i'm going to like you know like, I want something beautiful in the world. I'm going to create like a community garden or something. Like that's something you have to do in, the, in physical reality that comes from like loving yourself and loving others. So yeah.
1: Totally. It's like our mind... Thinks it's like solving problems and like doing all of this work, and at the end of the day, it's like, what do you have to show for it? Like nothing, really.
0: <laughs> exactly. An internet exactly.
1: thread. Is there <laughs> ways that you've? So I know we're sort of talking in general terms, but bringing it back to relationships and/or like art, um, just briefly. Is there ways that you used radical acceptance and like that concept specifically in those? areas that we didn't touch on that you wanted
0: to talk Let about. Let me think. Well, I think like um let's see. For well, I can talk about like some family relationships because family has been a place of struggle for me. Um just kind of like getting along with my family has been really hard and then when like the internet came out and it was like, you know, all of a sudden it's like these people are right, these people are wrong which like could be like valid opinions, but that was like not helping me with my relationship with my family because like there's like generational divides and like trying to understand people and like arguing about content a lot. So radical acceptance helped me immensely for accepting my family because it's kind of like my parents getting worked up about something I'm like oh I just see like their inner child getting worked up about something right. like I almost feel like my parents are just people I mean they are just people <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like I like I had to like let go of like what the media was telling me like the ideal mother figure should be or the ideal father figure should be because those are just like you know abstract concepts that don't have really like any place in reality. And like, that kind of like helped me accept my own family. But then like, you know, also like you have to like, you know, accept yourself and accept like what you can take from someone. So also having like boundaries helped a lot. Like for like, if I was going to have a phone call with my dad and normally he would like talk for a really long time. So I would like call him when I knew I had to do something in an hour so I could be like okay I have to go so I always (laughs) had that out and like with my mom I could like bring laundry to her house so like I always have the like excuse to like check on my laundry to like take a little break (laughs) so it's like you it's like radical acceptance of others but like it, it really really has to stem from radical acceptance of yourself and like accepting like like what your limits are, because like once you feel yourself like going outside of your channel of regulated emotions, that's kind of when you have to be like, oh, I need to take a break now. And just kind of like respecting that that's something that you need to do sometimes. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I love it. I love this conversation. I feel like every time we
1: talk, I'm like, oh, yes, like you (laughs) just like explain things so well. And I feel like you just have such a good like handle on these certain dynamics of like the self and social things which I love
0: that's awesome no I love this podcast I I feel like this podcast makes me feel like I have more figured out than I really do because I'm able to present my findings but it's a lot of trial and error out there so it's cool to just like present like the best of myself to a podcast. <laughs> I love that. I love that you're like even able to like
1: bring the best of what you of what you have. I feel like I would go on a podcast and be like, I don't know. What, I don't, I don't know what I
0: think. Yeah, it's like, hard. It's really hard. Yeah. <laughs>
1: but that is, I mean, that's a huge reason why I love the podcast too. And I always think, you know, this podcast is as much for like us having the conversation as it is for, you know, people listening. So I feel like it's so to be able to have a space for me, at least, like where I'm, yeah, able to like share ideas and like explore things. And I feel like that's just like the best possible like thing you could like do with your time, like for yeah. me. I like love it so much. So,
0: yeah, the podcast kind of forces me to sort of like reevaluate my life and like think like, how can I present my findings in this model of like an hour? time period so it's really nice yeah it's a really nice exercise I love that we should I'll have you on like every six months to
1: a year <laughs> like every I guess yeah. last time it was a few years ago so well depending <laughs> on how
0: how many more findings you come up how quickly you, okay yeah you I can always me. come here to
1: present them <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah. I think I have even more stuff that I haven't even touched on, but it wasn't like on topic. Okay. So I'm already ready. <laughs> I'll already be thinking of what my next episode will be.
1: Okay, perfect. Then we can do it soon. That'd be awesome. Okay, cool. Um, well, yeah, what are you gonna say?
0: Oh, I was gonna say, can I like promote a couple of things? Oh, yes, before? of course. I'm so sorry. Like, <laughs> thank you for saying that. Yeah. This is something I would want once. Uh, so I made a animated music video um recently it's not released yet and I would love to come on again once it's released and just like walk people through the story and like all the different things that I researched to do it um it's um part of it's uh for the band Fluffies and they have a website called los suelos.com where they have like a whole like interactive game and short stories that are all kind of like related to, um, central California. And they also have, um, it's part of a charity for California's rural laborers. Oh, cool. So that's one thing. And then I also just recently, I think the hardcover book is being released today. I was part of a collection of short erotic stories of cryptid encounters and I did a couple illustrations of cryptid erotica the book is called esoterotica it's um it was it's an anthology um with a uh, Duncan Trussell kind of at the helm he's a podcaster uh he also did um uh a show on Netflix called um, Midnight Gospel. Oh, I feel like I've heard of that. Which is also animated. So hopefully one day all my interests will come together and I'll do an animated uh, something for Duncan (laughs) Trussell. That would be awesome.
1: Um, Cool, I'll put all of that stuff in the show notes, like any links and stuff, I'll get them from Nikki and put them in. And then, yeah, maybe we can do like a video Podcast for the music video, and we can like watch it, and you can pause it or whatever.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so that would be fun. Oh my god, I would love that. <laughs> um, and then when it
1: does come out, I'll put a link to the music video in this episode's show notes too. Um, cool. Well, thank you so much, Nikki, for coming and talking to me today, and thank you everyone for listening. If you like the podcast, please share it with your friends and. Give it a rating and review wherever you're listening. That would be so awesome. And I'll talk to you next week.